Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Well, I think I've discovered what we are really looking for in this life. I think that I have discovered what actually all people across all time, across history, across cultures, really desire out of life. And not only that, I'm confident that what I've discovered will be what people still really want, really need, really desire out of life in the future. Now that is a big statement. I realize that is a big statement. And, uh, and I have some good news uh, about this discovery that I made. I, the thing that we all really want and really desire actually is not dependent on the economy. It's not dependent on who is um, elected into office. It's not dependent on how smart the next generation will be. It's not dependent on, uh, on any uh, limited resource or life stage. And let me just start by ruling out a few things that you think it might be. The thing that we really want in this life, it is not more time. It's not. It is not happiness, actually. It's not better relationships with people you love. It isn't optimizing your health. It isn't uh, um, uh, that income, that next income level, like a livable wage. It's not. It's not even retirement in Cocoa Beach. It's none of those things. And here's what I want to do today. I want to take you on a journey to to this discovery based on the story that I see across scripture, across time that God reveals. I want to, I want to show you what I think that is that we really, really need. And I want to tell you why you don't have it and then how to get it. Okay. That's my goal today. And this discovery for me began as I was able to get outside of my view of this life, that I was able to get beyond, you know, that street level view where all you can see is from five foot four, right? It's all you can see is what's at eye level as I was able to get a, a higher view really on this life and on what God is, has designed outside of the view of this current season and all of the issues that I think that we're really facing and all the trouble that I see brewing and all the unanswerable questions that bombard me from my perspective, in my opinion. And, um, and so I was able to, to kind of see that there, there are times in history that God allowed someone to see from heaven's perspective, from God's perspective across the earth. And they could see what was happening from the, the higher view, that 10,000 foot view down on to earth, kind of like, you know, when you're flying into O'Hare and you're getting low enough and you can just see like miles and miles and miles on the streets and the pools and the baseball fields. And for, for, you know, forever, you can kind of feel like you can see forever from up there. Well, there was this time where God allowed this one man, Isaiah, to see across the earth. And he was up, he could kind of see from heaven's perspective. And when he was there, he could see God on his throne. And at the same time that he could see God on his throne, he could see these other heavenly creatures, 
And not only could he see them and the earth all at the same time, he could hear what these heavenly creatures were saying to each other from their perspective as they're peering on like kind of the edge of heaven out over all the earth. And he could hear what they were saying and they could see across the whole earth. So they could see, this is important, like disaster zones and war zones and open nations and closed nations. And they could see, you know, mountain tops, but they could also see inner city. They could see it all at the same time. And this is what Isaiah saw. This is what he heard from his perspective. And it says this, and one called out to another. Those are the heavenly creatures. And they said this in Isaiah 6, 3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So as they see the earth, they have one description. They have one thing to say about it, that the earth is full of God, this Lord of hosts, of his glory. That's what they're looking out, and that's how they're describing it. And later, God goes on to to show this man, Isaiah, not only this perspective of the earth from heaven, but they could also, he could see um, what mankind, all of mankind, all of humanity was about. And Isaiah wrote, he wrote this, he goes on to say that not only is the earth created for God's glory, but this, he says this in Isaiah 43, 7, everyone, all people across all time who are called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So he's looking out and he can see what everyone is created for. What is everyone created for? Why does God say that he created humanity for my glory? Oh, this is just like, you know, pump the brakes moment. Like, guys, this is, this something is just cracked open before us. That God is saying why he created humanity, what he formed our, our frames for, our jars of clay, what he formed them for. Like, guys, there have been, how many people have tried to crack this code of like this, been on this quest and these wanderings. Why am I made? What are we made for? Why are we here? What's the purpose to all of this? It is late out in front of us created for God's glory in case you think that this is just Isaiah's perspective we have this other guy his name is Habakkuk and he writes this about the future that he catches from God's perspective again this high level view and he writes this this is about the end of the story okay and this is what he says for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea and so he's giving us this metaphor about, about the glory of God. And he's saying this, that the glory of God is going to cover the earth, our earth, this, this place that we inhabit, all this expanse of it. God's glory is going to cover the earth. He says, like, waters cover the sea. And this took me a second because I was like, you know, think about waters and sea. Like, can you separate out water from the sea? You, you, you can't. They're like, the water is in this, like, this is how it covers it so completely, so completely. You can't separate out water and see. And he's saying this thing that yes, our earth at the very end will be filled with the glory of God, just like waters cover the sea. So hold on a second. Let's just catch up with what we have just read. If the world, if the earth is full of the glory of God, if mankind was created for the glory of God. And at the end of the story, the earth will be covered with the glory of God. What is glory? <laughs> what in the world is glory, right? Like, I know we're in this little 
sermon series on words that we hear around church or we might sing or we might use in this church context. And we want to bring definition to them and find out what did God really mean and how do they spread out across all of our lives? Well, here's what I want to do. I'm going to start with this definition of glory and I'm going to expand it by telling you some more, some more context, some more story about glory. So here we go. This word glory that we've just been reading about, it's, it's kabod and it means this. This is the straight up definition. Abundance. Honor, splendor, abundance, honor, splendor. I like how John Piper describes it. He says it's God's infinite worth, God's infinite value. It has to do with what we can see. It has to do with what we can experience, what we can know of God himself. And it is a very essence, I would say, of God's nature. But it is it's his infinite value, his infinite worth, his abundance. It is this, this wow <laughs> Of God's very being. Okay, so that's our basic definition. And let's take another look at it, how it comes across scripture so we can fill out our definition beyond just the words of it. But here um, in the story, in the scripture, that when we see the big picture of what God's been doing and what he is doing, we see um, that God set up his way of connecting, of being with um, humanity, his people, through his, his leader, Moses. And we catch a lot of the story of what God wants to do with us through how God interacted with Israelites through Moses. And um, as God is moving his people from slavery to the promised land, he tells Moses, listen, I want to make a place on the earth that I can come be with my people. And so he gives him instructions and he says, I want you to build me a temple. Or we, we, we sometimes use the word tent or tabernacle. And it was going to be this thing that would move. It would go with the people as they were on their journey where God was taking them. And it would be a place where God would come and meet with his people, which was in his heart from the beginning, right? And so we have, he, God gives Moses these elaborate instructions, these plans to build it. Moses plans it and he builds it. And when it's built, we, we read this in Exodus 40. It says this, then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle, which is this tent, this temple and altar and put up the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So here is God completing his desire to be with people. But at the same time, he's making himself visible. He's making himself known that my presence is here in the shape of this, this cloud. But we see that as this temple is set up, God does his part and he fills it and he fills it in such a way that it is like everyone knows he's there. Like God's presence is there on the earth in, in a, in a, in a way that could be felt. It could be known. It could be seen. God shows up on the earth through his glory. Okay. So that's like the first part of the story, right? And, and we're just gathering evidence. Okay. What is glory? What is glory? What is this thing? So then the next chapter, we, we move on and now God has settled his people permanently in the promised land and he's given them this space and they have a permanent home. And so David and Solomon get together and they decide we're going to actually build God a permanent temple. Now that this is a new chapter and we're in this place for good, we're going to build a place again for God to, to meet with his people, right? And so um, they have, God gives them this instructions instructions for their temple. Remember the whole point, first temple, Moses builds this, this 
place for God. God fills it with his glory. Well, then we have the second temple that it is breathtaking. It is worthy of God's presence. Solomon spared no expense, but it's a permanent structure. And here's how the story goes when Solomon has finished his work. And this is in Second Chronicles 7. And so this is Solomon is dedicating the temple. And it says this, when, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good and his love endures forever. So again, just like that first chapter, the temple is built and God does exactly what he said he was going to do. He moves in from heaven to earth. And when he moves in, how he moves in is it's his glory that fills the temple. And it is so stunning and it is so spectacular when God shows up in his infinite worth and in his abundance, in his honor, in his splendor, when he is present on earth among his people, look what happens. Everything on earth ceases. All their plans, all the activity, all the program, it all comes to a screeching halt when God's presence moves in from heaven to earth. And there is, in this moment, uh, you know, there is no doubt that God is real, right? Among the people, there is no doubt. I mean, can you imagine one minute you're just watching Solomon, this great king, and he's praying and he's, do, he's going through the, the ceremony. And in the next minute, something, this trembling, this rumbling from heaven comes and it is, it is felt on the earth. And it doesn't matter if this morning, you know, you were questioning if God is really good, right? It doesn't matter your opinions on God, your perspective, your theology. None of it matters if you got it right or not. Because in that moment, the glory of God, when it comes, you are on your face in worship. Because there is no doubt. It's like you get swept up in the glory of God. And there is no doubt. Your whole life becomes this thankful response of, wow. He is good. He is real. And he is here among us on the earth. It's his glory that does that. It's his glory. This is what happens when the earth experiences the glory of God. So here we see this is the old covenant way. A temple is built and every time it's the same thing. The glory of God comes in a visible, amazing, glorious, (laughs) glorious way, right? This is the old covenant of how God interacts with his people, what he does from heaven to earth. So we know that there was a old way and then Jesus ushers in a new era, a new covenant. But the new way always kind of resembles in some ways the past. It's always a metaphor that kind of directs and points to what's going to happen next. Well, Jesus shows up and he says, listen, you're all priests now. Everyone will know me. Everyone will encounter me. I'm making it for not just the select few. It's for everyone. It's out in the open for everyone to experience, right? And Jesus ushers in this new era and he takes what was a physical structure this temple that was that was made of wood and with hands and right materials. He takes what was this physical structure and he turns the temple. He says, now my people are the temple of God. And this is what he says. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians 3. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? God's spirit lives in you. 
You are that temple that we've seen and read about and heard about and the stories that we've told. Now his people, those ones that we just, we we read about from Isaiah, were formed for his glory, created for his glory, the structure to house his glory. Jesus completes the plan that God has in his heart. And he says, now it's you. Now you are the ones who are going to house and hold my glory. Now you are the one, that same temple that you've read about, that you saw with Moses, that you saw with Solomon. What I did with that temple, I now do with you. This is his plan for his glory. He completes what he had promised. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 8. This is about us today. Paul's writing to the church and that includes us. And he says, but we all, all of us with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Same goal of God, whether it's the earth the temple or people today, us today. God has the same goal, his big, same big plan for all of creation. All that is his, it's to be filled with and to know his glory. Guys, this is the story that he's been writing. We have it here in front of us. It's the story he's even writing in our day with all of its troubles and all of its issues. We have the beginning, the middle, and the end. He said, this is what I'm moving you from, from glory to glory. We started in glory. We were formed for glory, surrounded by an earth that is full of his glory. And this is the end that we will know nothing but his glory. It is the thesis of the story, the glory of God, and of all the things that God chose to fill his earth with. He chose his glory. And it makes me wonder and stop and ask, is glory a big deal to God? Is glory a big deal to God? And if it's a big deal to God, is it a big deal to us? Truly, I had to stop and I had to ask myself and I had thought about it like this way. If we read that the whole earth was going to be filled with teaching, that if the goal of God was to disseminate information, would we not be experts in teaching? Would we not spend all of our money developing systems for people to, for, for, for teach it? How do we teach better? How do we equip teachers? How do we receive teaching and, and give teaching, right? Wouldn't we, the whole, wouldn't we all be moving after? How do we know better the teaching of God, right? If we knew this was the future, this was our past and present and future. Guys, we would invest everything into teaching. We would be like, yay for teaching, right? That'd be the highest paid careers, right? Because we knew, we knew where we were headed. Just like sometimes we have, the, uh, you know, if you heard this term early adopters, right? Like, um, Bitcoin, like people think this is the future. This is the currency. It's Bitcoin. And so they spend all of their time and resources developing and saving, doing Bitcoin and right. Like, because if we knew it was like a slam dunk, we would all be like, yes, we're in, we're doing it. Well, Hey guys, we have the playbook of the future in front of us. God is revealing to us. He's made it super, super clear. The plans of God laid out for us to pursue according to how important it is to him. The future is revealed to us. The glory of God. The glory of God. So I want to stop and ask, why are we not experts in the glory of God? Truly, why are we not experts? I have a few answers for us today. 
I have a few answers. I wonder why haven't we emptied ourselves of, of whatever else we could receive so that we could begin to take in the glory of God? Why have we not set our sights on this as a church? Like, hey, can we just keep talking again and again and again about the story, the glory of God, the glory of God? Glory is what we're made for. Well, I want us to kind of dig into for a second why we don't have what we really want. Why we don't have that thing, that very thing that God is covering the earth in. And here's what of the reasons. Here's one thing that I think, and I've seen this in scripture, is it comes from a story in Exodus. And here's the bottom line. We send someone else up the mountain. We send someone else up the mountain. And here's what I mean by that. Um, there's this story in Exodus 20 where... Um, Moses is, uh, in this chapter in history, the Israelites again are moving through the wilderness and, uh, um, God is telling Moses, like, listen, I'm going to start getting you ready for this next phase of moving from slavery to the promises. And, uh, God and Moses are having this exchange and, and God's telling Moses what's going to happen. And he's like, listen, I want you to get the people ready because I'm going to come down from this mountain and I'm going to meet with the people. And so all of God's people are hanging out there around the mountain at the bottom of it. And God's presence is visible on the mountain. Like they can tell it is like fire and thunder and it's like rumblings. And God's presence is so, so thick there. And God calls Moses up to the top of the mountain. And in that encounter, we get the Ten Commandments, right? And as soon as the Ten Commandments, as soon as they're wrapped up, this is what we read. This is the very next scripture. And this is in Exodus 20. And it starts in 18 and it says this, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. And it goes on to say the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So I want us to just pick up. There's a couple key phrases in here. And the first one is this, the people stayed at a distance. And I believe they have ever since. They stayed at a distance. And what happened was in this moment, they chose secondhand information instead of a firsthand encounter in God's glory. Here's the deal, you guys. We too often know God's glory through a go-between. We do. In this day and in this culture, it is it is the Christian expert. It is the Christian, the famous Christian per- person. It is the blogger, the podcaster, the writer, the song leader, right? We rely on the famous Christian's uh, encounter with God's value and his abundance over and over and over again. And I want to stand in front of you and tell you it is a lower quality experience. It is a lower quality experience. Kevin recently showed me this picture on his phone and I was looking at it and I was like trying to like, like swipe off something off of his screen or whatever. And I was looking at this picture of him and his brothers from childhood. I'm like, what is wrong with this picture? And he's like, oh, it's a picture of a picture. And I'm like, oh, that explains the like flash glare that I'm seeing and how I can't really see their faces and in the mess that I'm looking at. Guys, it's a picture of a picture. And this is what we are getting too often from someone else's experience. The way God's glory was designed was that you encounter it firsthand for yourself. It is a lower quality experience that we have become addicted to, that we rely on, that we expect, and we don't know that there's more. 
we haven't experienced. We send someone else up the mountain. Go back to this Habakkuk 2.14 for a second. Remember this scripture, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The knowledge of the glory of the, the Lord. That word knowledge is yada, and it means this. It means to know by experience. It's actually in its form. It's, it's an intimate encounter. It's knowing through your senses. It is the exact opposite of at a distance. The exact opposite. That God's glory it was meant to be seen and interacted with firsthand. And when your filling and my filling comes from a second-hand source, it loses something in the translation. It does. And then you know what, guys? It doesn't really satisfy it doesn't really give us what we really needed. And then we think it's not really a big deal. And because it's not a big deal, we look for something else to fill us. We look for something else that will give us that little hit, that little bit of excitement. I mean, guys, as I was wrestling with this, I realized how in this day we are where we are. We want the instantaneous. We're trained to get the instant result. We want the outcome. And God's glory doesn't work that way. It is slow and it's full of faith and it is constant and it's meant to be experienced over and over and over again. It was never meant to be one and done. Never meant to be one and done. So here's the deal, you guys. When we get it secondhand, we can live without it. What we were actually designed for, created for. And so I want to ask us to please don't send someone else up the mountain. Don't send someone else up the mountain. I want you to yada God's glory. Yada, yada, yada God's glory. The filling you were designed for. Know for yourself what it means to encounter it in your life. So how, how do we experience God's glory? Well, this man, Moses, the one sent up the mountain to the glory, the glory, he's going to show us again that it is never one and done. It is never one and done. So this, um, a chapter in the story comes from Exodus 33, where it's another famous Moses moment. And um, Moses uh, realizes really quickly that this job of taking God's people from slavery to the promised land is an impossible job. The people are ridiculous. It is just a no-win situation. And uh, Moses is having this exchange with God about, like, you know, this is a ridiculous job, essentially. That's my translation of it. And uh, about how he's going to move forward after just disaster, after disaster, after disaster. And he's having this exchange with God. And in Exodus thirty-three eighteen, he basically puts a demand on God. And he says this. He says, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Now, if you don't have the whole story here, you have to stop and go for a second. Now, come on, Moses. You have seen God's glory. For crying out loud, if anyone has seen God's glory, it's you, Moses. Like, let's just start in the beginning. He's a baby who was supposed to die. He's put in a river, right? And God saves him out of the river, and he's raised in the palace with his mom, right? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, that would be enough. The glory of God, if that just rescued you would be enough for the rest of your life. But that's just the beginning of a story, right? He has an encounter with God in a burning bush. And he sees God like this consuming fire of God. And he hears his voice and he experiences his call. And then he stands before Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the age. And he throws down his staff and it turns into a snake. And then he sees God's glory over, over the physical world and the physical realm. And we see 
God move in such a glorious way that he takes this impossible situation, this nation, and he delivers them, again, from the most powerful ruler in years and years and years, hundreds of years of slavery. And then he sees God's glory over, um, again, nature with the parting of the sea. And then all the enemies are swallowed up and all their people are safely to the other. Like, it's crazy. It is glory after glory after glory in this man's history, right? Moses, you've seen God's glory. Yet here he is in this moment, in this desperate moment of need. And there is one thing on his mind. God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. He wasn't satisfied with the past experience of God's glory. He wanted it still today. He's still looking for it in this season, in this circumstance. This was the demand of his life. He didn't say, you know what? God, fix the solution. Like, make, give me favor with your people. Give me an easier job. He didn't ask for like, you know, like, you know, promotion. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for, you know, more power, more resource, nothing. He didn't ask for a straight shot into the promised land, nothing. He reminds us what we're created for, that the best that we could experience of this life in any season, in any hardship, in any, you know, issue that we would have, that it doesn't change. The one thing that we actually are are made for, that we really desire is an experience in God's glory. He wasn't satisfied with one and done. And he shows us that in every season, at every turn, we need another filling of the glory of God. God's glory mattered to Moses above everything else. And Moses got what he wanted. He got what he wanted. We know on the other end of that ask that God revealed his goodness. He came before Moses with all of his goodness. He passed right in front of his face again, right in front of him again. So how do we get what we really want? How do we get what you really want? And maybe some of you thought, like Kevin was saying, you know, I thought what I really wanted was ease or comfort or this answered, you know, one, one less problem, better friends, better job, whatever it would be. Based on this narrative, you guys, that I see from this, this higher view of what God's writing across time, included in this age, included in the future, what we really want, and God's plan, the center of his plan for the earth and for our lives is his glory filling again and again and again. So I'm asking of all the requests that this thing would be on repeat. Show me your glory. God, I can't live without it. I have to know it. And here's, here's the problem in all of this. This has been like a big wrestle for me because I realize that I can't deliver God's glory to you. I, I can't provide you three steps to God's glory. I can't. I can't give you a, a formula. I can't give you a quick quick fix. But here's what I can do. I can present the meal to you and I can say, please, you will have to go get the ingredients yourself and you'll have to bring them home and you'll have to work them in your own kitchen and in, in your own life. And you're going to have to spend time with this yourself. And I understand that this is not, it is a longer pursuit guys. And it is a pursuit again. Like I know in me, my tendency is like, I'll try it, God, I'll try this prayer. And if you don't answer it like spectacularly in a few days, well, I'm going to move on to something else. Right? Like, I have come to realize this is in my human tendency. This is in our human hearts that we are going to have to keep after it. And I also realize that as I'm presenting this to you, that you could easily walk away and go, okay, God's glory, I don't get it. And I want to tell you, me neither. (laughs) 
Truly, I don't either. I don't, I don't know. And I think how embarrassing that the thing that I'm saying is at the center of everything. I don't really get it either. I don't. So can we just all get comfortable with the awkwardness of the fact that I know it is, it is very unexplainable, right? It is, it's, it's weird and it is out there and it is not something we can just get our arms around and, and tidy and present to each other. We can't, we can't. But here's the deal, guys. Not being able to really understand it or, or get my mind around it will not stop me from pursuing it. The fact that it's going to take a long, slow, up and down, in season and out of season is not going to stop me from seeking it out and desiring and asking God for it. Because he wrote the story and this is his plan. And all I can do is surrender before him and say, this is your way. And so, okay, I'm in. This is what you said you were doing. Okay, I'm going to give myself to it. And at the end, we'll see if I was right or not, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to put everything I have into the future that God is saying that he is writing, where he is going. And so this is it. This is what I'm asking you today. I'm standing in front of you and asking, will you pursue God's glory in your own life and never stop? And never stop. Will you value glory? Will you desire God's glory? Will you take up this prayer of your life over and over and over again? Show me your glory. Here I am in this mountain, and it's not the mountain that I expected to be on, but right here, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. That you would be willing to discover firsthand, firsthand, that you wouldn't send someone else up the mountain. What glories God's glory is like in your life. To make space for this filling. To see this is the big picture of what God is doing across the earth. And I am just going to fit in the context of the story that he is writing. And I'm going to finish with this little story. Sometimes whales get disoriented while they're swimming out in the ocean depths. And and sometimes in their disorientation, instead of heading out towards deeper sea, they get turned around and they start heading towards shallow waters. And every once in a while, when they find themselves in shallow waters, the tide goes out. And all of a sudden, these whales are now landed, lodged, stuck on the beach. And while they're there on the beach, out in the sun, in the open air, um, their bodies begin to suffer. They begin to dehydrate. And under the weight of their their massive bodies, because they were made for the buoyancy of the deep waters, um, they actually begin to suffocate. And they most often, they end up perishing on this beach because they were designed for the ocean depths. And I believe sometimes we get disoriented and we get surrounded by what the culture is offering and what other people are doing. And we start swimming towards the shallow waters and we too find ourselves suffering outside of the habitat that we were created for. And we have no way, we don't know how to get back to the ocean depths. And I'm telling you right now that you were created. Whales were created for the ocean depths and you were created for the glory of God. And so I'm asking us to take that as as a warning and say, I'm going to stay in the habitat that I am designed for, where I will thrive, where I will experience life as God created it to be experienced on this earth, that I will find myself over and over again in the glory of God. Because this is where I come alive. And this is where I find my future. And this is where I find my hope. And this is where I'll survive as God created. I want to pray for you for this purpose and this goal. And give you a really, really 
honest expectation that it might not be what you expect. I believe in some ways God is withdrawing hype from us because we're addicted to hype. (laughs) And in some ways he's withdrawing all those things that we rely on so that that he can fill that vacancy and that emptiness. But I, I, I just know, and I am not expecting like, you know, shaking and all. I'm not expecting that guys. I'm just expecting us to turn our desire towards the glory of God, that this is going to be a, a, a lifetime adventure of the glory of God. And as I pray over you, I just want to speak this scripture over you again from Isaiah And it says this, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness, the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. That this is our destiny. And God, I just declare this over us, your church, that God, you will arise upon us and your glory will be seen upon us. That we will be a people of glory. That we see, God, your intentions to fill the temple, the earth, your people with your glory. And we give our hearts, we give our hearts to what you have said you were going to do in our day and in the future. And we say, God, we want to become experts. We want to know what Moses knew. We want to see what the angels see. We want to see what the heavenly creatures see whatever other story that we write over the earth, whatever else we think you are, or who we, what you're doing or, or what we're made for, we give our hearts today to your plans. God, show us your glory. Show us your glory. God, put this prayer on repeat in our hearts and our minds. God, the things we think we want and the things that we, things we think we need or we think what you want of us. We empty ourselves now of those things and we just stand in front of you and say, God, show us your glory.